Uh, guys, aren't they incredible this evening? Aren't we blessed to have such talent? Absolutely wonderful. We're going to give our band just a little bit of uh, rest before their grand finale in a few minutes. Um, uh, and I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes. I do normally like to move around a bit when I'm talking, but for fear of setting myself on fire, um, I'm going to try and remain stationary. Um, I am one of those annoying people that actually really, really likes Christmas. Um, and Christmas is, I think, a time of um, expectation. Um, can we set the PowerPoint up? Guys, for us, thank you. Um, you know, if you're younger, you might be expecting something off your Christmas list. Um, if you're older, you might be expecting some time off, some time with family and friends. You might be expecting to close the door and watch Christmas movies. Um, or, you know, you might be expecting a, a roast turkey with all the trimmings on Christmas morning. You might be the one expected to roast and trim that turkey on Christmas morning. Um, but I wonder how often our, our expectations on Christmas morning live up to the reality um, of Christmas. I want to just give you a few examples, if the PowerPoint... Yay! There it is, fantastic. So, um, visiting Santa. So there's an expectation, that lovely scene of that child and Santa, and then the reality... Yeah. <laughs> Look at the fear in that child's eye. Here's another one. <laughs> Save me. There we go. Putting up the lights. That's wonderful, isn't it? Illuminating the street. There's the expectation. And then <laughs> the reality. I think that one's better, actually. For the, for the past two years, uh, my wife and I have um, had the brilliant idea of buying solar-powered lights for the front of our house, forgetting, of course, that we live in England and there isn't enough sun to illuminate them. Um, wrapping presents. Look at that. I like the baubles on the bows. Expectation. And there's the reality. Although it has gone to the trouble to draw bows on, so good effort for that. And then the final one, decorating the tree. There's the expectation and the reality. And I need to think, uh, thank Tim Rawlings for that, because that's directly from his Facebook. Um, do you have a real tree up now, Nathan? Yes. Yes, good. Excellent. Glad to hear it. So I want to talk to you this evening just for a few minutes um, about a, a, a character from the Christmas story. And it's someone that's not often in the nativity plays, um, but it's someone who had an expectation of Christmas, or at least had an expectation of Christ. And his name is Simeon, and we read about him in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you from verse... 25. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms, presumably asking the parents' permission first, um, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, 
the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts and hearts um, will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. You don't often see that on a Christmas card, do you? So this is Simeon. He is someone who's righteous and devout and eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come. And in fact, the Holy Spirit had said to him that he was not going to die until the Messiah arrived. So his expectations were high, just like ours at Christmas time. And according to the scriptures, the Messiah was a man. It's someone who would be from um, the, the descendant of David. David was a king, uh, an old king of Israel. And they would arrive and they would establish a new kingdom. And they'd reign over Israel forever. So, for example, in 2 Samuel 7, God promises David, When you die and you're buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and make his kingdom strong. And so Simeon, along with the whole of the Jewish community, were expecting this new king. And you might recall that years later, when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, at the beginning of his final week before his crucifixion, um, he does so on a donkey, a role which is often in the nativity. Um, and it's a deliberate decision on Jesus' part because the donkey was a symbol of royalty. Zechariah 9.9 reads, Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet is humble, riding on a donkey. And the people that see Jesus come in, they lay their garments before him and they, they wave palm branches. And it's a way of saying, we recognize you. You as the new king and we're going to show our support to you and they shout Hosanna to the son of David and Hosanna just means save us they were ready for him to enter the city defeat the Roman oppressors and establish the new kingdom and it's difficult for us to to understand this 2,000 years on and 2,000 miles away um, but we might say it's a bit like a child asking how many sleeps till Christmas there's that expectation that desperate hope for that day to arrive and it was a huge event for them. Every pregnant woman would wonder if the baby they were carrying was indeed the Messiah. And here we are. The day has arrived. Mary and Joseph have brought their child, the Messiah, into the temple and presented him to the Lord. And Simeon is there as well. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks these words. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you've promised, I've seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Amazing prophetic words spoken over Jesus when he was just 40 days old. But did you notice Mary and Joseph's reaction in verse 33? We're told that they are amazed by the things that are being said about him. But why should they be amazed? They already knew he was the Messiah, Luke chapter 1, where the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary, he says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he'll be great, and the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. The perfect fulfillment of the messianic, messianic prophecy. Mary was the chosen one. But look carefully at the word Simeon uses. He doesn't say, I've seen your salvation which you prepared for Israel. He says it's for all. For me and for you. And the words he speaks to Mary afterwards move even further away from their expectations. 
He says the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God and many will oppose him and as a result the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. A warning to Mary, this was not going to be the life she was expecting. There would be heartache and sorrow. She would have to watch many people reject her son, slander him, plot his murder and eventually watch him die a criminal's death, a crucifixion, a sword to her very soul. And I just wonder, as, as, the Mary, as Mary, the mother of the Messiah, whether she expected some kind of earthly status, knowing that she was bearing this child. And if she did, we can't blame her for that, because I think many Jewish people believed that their glory was in their nation, and it never was. Their glory was in their God. And when Simeon said that Jesus would be the glory of Israel, what he meant was that Jesus would finally help bring about Israel's purpose of revealing God to the world. But it wasn't in the way they were expecting. You see, those people in Jerusalem with the palm branches who'd accepted Jesus as their king a week later demanded his crucifixion because he didn't fulfill their expectations. And Jesus went to the cross and allowed himself to die as a criminal. What a disappointment, they must have thought. He got all our hopes up. And if the story had ended there, then none of us would celebrate Christmas today. In fact, I doubt any of us would even be Christians. But it didn't. There was something unexpected. Something that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Simeon had predicted when Jesus was only 40 days old. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He defeated death. And the curtain that was in the temple that prevented people from accessing the presence of God was torn in two. Symbolizing that we are all free to find God through Jesus. That he came as the light in the darkness. The greatest plot twist of all time. And before you think I've got my notes mixed up with an Easter sermon, um, I haven't. This is still a Christmas talk, because without Easter, Christmas wouldn't be worth celebrating. You see, in waiting for the Messiah, Simeon, Mary and Joseph had expected one thing, but in the end they received something far, far better. It's like expecting roast turkey and getting beef and gammon and full-size sausage and bacon and no Brussels sprouts. It's like expecting a bike for Christmas and finding a Lamborghini under the tree. <laughs> Except that it's better than that because Jesus is the light for the whole world. He even said about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. I'm nearly finished. I don't know what you're expecting this Christmas. I really hope that you're not disappointed. I hope your expectations live up to the reality. But the one thing I found to be true in my own life is that Jesus does not disappoint. He's far more than we ever expect. And if you don't know Jesus, then I would encourage you, let this Christmas be the one where you find out about Christ. I've been walking with him for 20 years and I've never asked for the receipt to take him back on Boxing Day. Jesus is alive, not just for Christmas. He's changed my life for the better and he can do the same for you because he's risen. He's alive and well and he can show us what it's like to live in God's kingdom. Not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. And if you do know Jesus this evening, then I want to encourage you in a different way. I want to say make sure that your expectations this year are not in earthly things, but in the things of God. Let me just finish with a, a short story. In a meeting in the late 1700s, a newly ordained minister 
was profoundly moved by the spiritual needs of the world. And he argued for the value of overseas missions. But he was shot down by an older minister who interrupted him and said, Young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do so without consulting you or me. He didn't give up. He pressed on and... In 1972, he organized his own missionary society where he preached a sermon entitled Expect Great Things from God and Attempt Great Things for God. And within a year, his family had moved to India. And when he got out there, things were far harder than he thought they would ever, ever be. He had to work illegally to feed his family. He contracted malaria. His son died from dysentery and his wife suffered with uh, mental health issues. It took seven years of missionary labor before he saw his first convert. And he remained in India for 41 years until his death. And in that time, he only saw 700 people come to faith. But he continued to expect great things and attempt great things for God. And because of his work, he left a lasting legacy. He brought about social reform, including the abolition of infanticide. He founded a college which offers theological training today to around 2,500 students. He translated the entire Bible so that they could read it. But his biggest impact was on his fellow Christians. Throughout the 1800s, Christians such as Hudson Taylor and David Livingstone and thousands of others followed in his footsteps and became missionaries to the world, all of them inspired by the words, expect great things, attempt great things. And his name was William Carey. I'm sure some of you uh, may have heard of him. So I'd encourage you this Christmas, take some time to reflect on your own journey with Jesus. Is it what you expected? Or is it more? My journey's taken me all over the place, but I know he's been with me every step of the way. So can you raise your expectations of God in this coming year? We live in a world that's in desperate need of the gospel. A hope in the midst of hopelessness and a light in the darkness. You know, we started with that video this evening showing some of the things that we've witnessed this year. This world is in desperate need of the gospel. So what are you going to attempt for God? What ministry are you going to start? What difference might you make in the lives of others? Can we raise our expectations? Because maybe he's wanting to do more than we can ever expect or imagine. Let's just pray.